Welcome to First Turn, where we play board games for the first time and discuss our immediate reactions. It's like book club, but for board games. I'm Kiwi, and with me is BP. Hi! Today we're playing Timeline. The designer was Frederick Henry, who also did Conan and Batman Gotham City Chronicles. The artists were Nicholas Fructus, Fructus maybe? Uh, who did Cthulhu, Death May Die, Kemet, Zombicide, and its expansions, Ankh, Gods of Egypt, Takenoko, The Godfather, Corleone's Empire, Battlelore, Green Horde, and Blue Moon City, and Xavier Collette, who did Mysterium, Abyss, Conan, and Dixit, The Journey expansion. It was originally published in 2012, although we're playing the Americana um, version, okay. which was published in 2014. Uh, but all the... Timeline games, there's like a bunch of them. Uh, they're all compatible. So you can mm. play them all together, except for the Star Wars timeline. Because mm. obviously that's a Star Wars specific one. The description. Could Darwin have celebrated his theory of evolution with a glass of champagne? Was the electric iron invented before or after the first human journeyed into outer space? Only time will tell. Mm -hmm. And the mechanics are... None. There's no mechanics listed at all on Board Game Geek. Okay. It has no mechanics, apparently. Okay. And the box art. Uh, well, as you had mentioned, uh, it's the Americana version. So it's actually a 10. No, uh, yep. if you are avid fans of our podcast, you I know do that. I appreciate a good 10. Kiwi is a fan of 10 boxes. Uh, it's rather small, maybe three by three. No, I'd say like six by six. Oh, it's not that big. Five by five, maybe. Anyway. Definitely bigger than three by three. Uh, we are having some it's a perfect square there. Yes. Um, and so it's got uh, a cartoon a figure of a human uh, with their arms stretched out. Looks like some they're standing almost in a whirlwind of events and dates. There's the U.S. flag. Um, I'm going to assume that that's the space shuttle uh, Columbus Voyager. Well, I mean... I don't think there was a Voyager one, but it could be yeah. any of the... Uh, it's got some other dates, 1787, 1500, Route 66. You know, some of your your kind of elements that you might expect if you were doing a, a U.S.-centric history timeline. Yeah. Uh, so based on that, would you pull this off the shelf? Maybe. I do love a good history uh, game, and I am intrigued from a teaching standpoint. I'm just, it, it, the, it doesn't scream history to me, probably because I'm more a medievalist and ancient historian. Yeah. I thought I had picked this game up several years ago, mm. um, but I actually ended up with uh, Chrononauts, oh, right. which is a completely different game than what this will be. Um, and that's uh, an enjoyable experience. Um, but I figured this would be something that would be like just a nice activity. And then from mm -hmm. a teaching standpoint, you know, we've played, Eric and I have played war games in the past so that I could try them out for work. And so I think this is kind of the same thing where, you know, is this something that you could use in your own pedagogy, mm -hmm. uh, in your own classes or, you know, something along those mm -hmm. lines. So, mm -hmm. uh, and then the concept is, is interesting. And then, uh, being both people who studied history, you know, maybe it's enjoyable on, uh, that end. As I love well. that you're actually going to admit to it. 
I mean, I do have a history degree, so. Yeah, it's a BS. It's a BS in history. That's right. Uh, so how do you think it's played? Uh, you're going to, I know there are cards because they're sitting off to the side. So yep. I'm assuming we're going to be dealt a certain stack of cards and we're going to have to put them in chronological order. And the person who is closest to the actual order will be the winner. Okay. Okay. Uh, so the history of time travel. Why did you go with time travel? That's uh, obviously not what this is about. The person on the front clearly looks like they're traveling through time. Why else would they be in a whirlwind of dates? I don't that's know. A, that's a classic Doc, Hollywood. Doctor Who travels through time in a phone box. Yeah. Now, that would have been interesting. And now I'm curious about the history of time as a concept. Um, but, I mean, and I've got some of that off, off the top of my head. And I am just winging it with this today. But uh, kind of more along the lines of timelines and... This idea of placing things in chronological order, um, from a pedagogical standpoint, this is definitely what we're much more interested with is being able to say, basically, you know, what came first, the toast, the no, okay. the toaster or sliced bread. Mm. Right. Like those types of concepts did like pre sliced bread. Just, you know, you go get your Wonder Brand at the at the supermarket, which, by the way, is a very mid-20th century concept as well. Um, but, right, like understanding the effects of either the creation of technologies, um, artistic inventions, social ideas, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and understanding then, you know, how those led to new and different things is of utmost importance. Now, the concept of time itself with dates, obviously, we use a specific dating system now that many of our ancients did not. And so the normal way, because the people who in ancient societies were actually consumed with the, the idea of time and the importance of it, not just as a sun up to sun down kind of, you know, your, you know, all your peasants and work people were very, you know, aware of those concepts as well as uh, kind of the cyclical, right? Farms, watching stars, those types of things to calculate harvest, which then usually came around with festivals, religious things. But then you have the people on the top, the elites, the leaders who would have been much more interested in dating things, right? So that they could say, look at the things I've done over like this span of period in time, right? People with, with inheritance and things like that would have been much more interested in tracking those ideas of times. And so what you see for timelines in many of the early cultures and civilizations then are based on in such and such year or date or whatever, right? In um, this ruler. Yeah, I was... It's kind of like Eric and I were having a conversation the other day about, you know, Americans not understanding the size of Europe and Europeans not understanding the size of the United States. When people are like, well, why do you, why does everybody have a car? Was you kind of need them? But the, the concept of like time and like that idea, mm -hmm. I think I read somewhere the other day, it was like Oxford was 300 years old when the Incan, envir or Incan Empire was founded. Right. So yeah. Stuff like that. Or it's like, a very, re it was a very recent empire. Or like the last use of the guillotine. Like there are still people alive today that could have witnessed yeah. the last use of the guillotine in France. And yeah. so it's like that idea of like 
the concept of time and not really understanding just like when things started, especially if it's not something that you think about often. (laughs) Unlike me, Uh, I was in fact at the thinking about this game and then what's going to come next. I was at the eye doctor yesterday and he was like, said something about sarcastically how his worker needed to take a lunch. Why do we have to give workers lunches? And I was like, whoa, I'm kind of pro worker for one. And he's like, ah, yeah, it's not like those days when we sent the children down to the coal mines in the 16 and 1700s. And I was like, actually, that was 1800s and 1900s. So let me put your timeline correctly. And with that, Do you want to know how to play? Sure. Okay. So uh, each player is going to start the game with five cards, and the goal is to have no cards left at the end of the game. And the game will occur over a series of rounds until one player is out of cards. The first player is the youngest. But honestly, like when I was thinking about it, it actually does kind of make sense for this game. It's a game based on timelines. So youngest does make sense. Sure. I Um, feel like oldest would make more sense then, but. I think it could have gone either way, but it does say youngest. So, uh, and then play will continue clockwise. Uh, The cards must be always kept date side down. The top side of the card is going to show an image and a card name. And then under no circumstances. No circumstances. Under no circumstances can the player check the back of the card that has the date on it. The top card of the deck is then flipped over to show the date side and play begins. On a player's turn, they will choose one of the cards in front of them and then slide it into the timeline, either to the left or the right of cards that are already in the timeline or in between cards Mm -hmm. that are in the timeline. The player will then flip the card over to its date side. If the card is is correctly chronological order with those adjacent to it, the card is placed properly and play continues to the next player and they don't have to draw a card. But if the card is out of order, it was played improperly, that card is discarded and the player draws a new card. If the two cards have the same date, uh, it won't be an actual, it won't be like, June 6, 1944, it'll be 1944. Uh, So if two dates, two uh, events are happened in the same year, as long as they're adjacent to each other, it doesn't matter if it's to the left or right. They just have to be adjacent. Uh, At the end of each round, uh, which is once all players have taken a turn, if any players have no cards, the game ends. If only one player has no cards at that point, they immediately win. If more than one player has... Uh, no cards. The uh, the players with cards are eliminated, and then you draw one at a time, basically, until a round where one person plays theirs incorrectly, the mm. other plays theirs, and then you just continue doing that until there's only one one person left, and that person wins. So there can't be ties. Okay. And those are the rules. Seems pretty straightforward. Yeah. Well, let's play. We just finished up several games of Timeline. Uh, we uh, and I won uh, two games to one. Uh, but the last game, we actually had to go into the end tiebreaker bits where we were doing one card at a time. And but, it was the opening of Guggenheim that did me in. Yep. But then both the games before that, both of us had a single card remaining when the other person went out. So they were all pretty uh, pretty close games. I felt like the strategy was just talking out. It was easier in the beginning because you just had the couple cards. And so it was like, you just took a card right. and you're like, I know for a fact this is after this event. And then as you got more cards out there, it was like, I think we were both doing it where it was just sort of like, okay, like I know this is the day that this happens, but do I think it happened before this day or this? And then you kind of just like talking mm-hmm. it out. Uh, 
And I think if there were more people playing and other people didn't mm. have as much of a poker face, you might be like, aha, you made a stupid little smirk, so I know it's here. Yeah. Yeah. Kiwi was trying to get me to... Uh, to I, was, give, I was just talking it out loud. Oh, I swear you were trying to get me to like <laughs> make a facial. I had my poker face on that I wasn't going to tell him things I knew. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, you know what though? That idea of having more people would be kind of fun because you'd have then more cards, more events, more brain teasing. Yeah, it would. You'd have a huge long timeline mm-hmm. at some point. So what's the max player count? Uh, I think it says two to ten on the side of the box. It says two to eight. Okay. But you could probably play as many as you want, especially if you had like a much bigger deck, if you were combining mm-hmm. ones, because there's one that are like technology and mm. all, all kinds of other things. So then it's like, what came first, friends or eyeglasses? <laughs> probably eyeglasses. You mean the movie, the TV show Friends? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Or the, or, the, or the concept of Friends. <laughs> um, so BP, the theme? I mean, we were creating a timeline. Yeah. I, I'm not sure it had really any theme at all. It's more just a... What came first. Yeah, what came first. So but That's what a timeline does. Yeah, exactly. So, yes, it fit the theme of building yeah. a timeline. Uh, table presents? I, in fact, I tell my students to make them all the time. They don't even have... You know, you have, you have the dates in front of you because let's be honest, like that's... We didn't know half these dates, right? But can you figure out what came first? Just figure that out. And yeah, half the conquest right there of learning history. Yeah. Uh, so uh, table presents? Um, I mean, the cards are nice. I don't know that it would turn your head because they're just, they're also really small. They're they're really small. They're not like your normal um, player cards. They're like a quarter of that size, a third of the size of a regular player card, I'd say. Yeah, it's like the it's like a half card, basically, mm-hmm. is what it looks like. I think that's a, definitely a complaint that I have. I, I think the art is nice, but it's hard to see because mm-hmm. the cards are so mm-hmm. small. And then as a result, the text is also mm-hmm. very small. I really wish the cards were just bigger. Standard. Yeah. Uh, I think the box would probably have to be bigger. Not much. Because it's, it's fit in the two stacks. But yeah, it wouldn't be much. And honestly, you could just do away with the 10 and fit two mm-hmm. sets of, of cards, cards in there and be full. Uh, yeah, I, I just wish they were full. Yeah, But I agree. I mean, I look at the box of like Cat Lady and things like that, and those are normal sized cards. And yeah, that box is bigger, but it's not unreasonable. Yeah, there. Yeah, the, I don't think there's anything here that would turn your head. Yeah, these are like mint work size. Yes, yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, so yeah, if I saw this on a table, I don't think I no, would. Yeah. No, uh, In fact, I heard about this in a podcast. I didn't see it. Mm-hmm. And that's why I've wanted to play it because I've heard other people talk about mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Um, anything else on? Nope. Yep. Mechanics. I can there weren't see any. The, yeah, I can see why <laughs> there weren't any on. Uh, I think you could vaguely argue hand management. Right. Because uh, you do have to... Look at what you have. Look at what you have and kind of be strategic on when you're going to play. You're gonna play. Yeah. Like I think some of the ones where you're like, I don't know where this falls in on my five cards, but I know where it falls in on what's out there right now. Right. So I'm going to play it early so that I can see what the date is. And then maybe that helps me with my other ones. So I think hand management is probably like the a one. You, yeah, you, you could argue and I would probably accept it. Uh, but other than that, like, 
it's, I think this is one of those things where you could argue like, is this actually a game or is it an activity? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I feel like this verges more on the activity spectrum right. than the game <laughs> spectrum. The right. great part is though, we played three games of this in less than 15 minutes. Yes. The great part about this is we played three games of this in less, less than 15 minutes. Uh, rules. How was it learning the game? A really straightforward. I think that is the shortest rules explanation I've ever done. Excellent. Ever on this podcast. And it was fairly straightforward and easy to learn. And I never opened up the rule book after that. Excellent. Yeah. Um, and the rule book, I mean, there's like three rules total. So they probably could have made it a single sheet and it's more of a fold out, but yeah. Yeah, whatever. Um, it's not bad. And obviously I didn't need to go back into it. So the question. Would you play it again? I mean, yes. Um, I think a further question would be, would I use it in my classrooms? And and very much so. Um, especially, I, I mean, one of our, our course objectives in our survey level courses is to be able to place things in a chronological order. And this would tackle that in a way where I don't think students would feel mentally drained or taxed yeah. about it. Right. So I could assess their ability to, I mean, I don't know that I would use U.S. history facts because these are facts too. So you could do this with facts. I could even see using it for building on that type of idea. So this is a fact. What could be some interpretations that we bring up based on this timeline that we're looking at, which is a question I sometimes ask my students so yeah. that they can get the difference between facts and interpretations. And I'll tell you what might be fun actually is like the last five minutes of a class, mm -hmm. you throw up a card and you just have a timeline that you've built over the course of the whole semester. Mm -hmm. And so, and then at the end of class, last five minutes, you throw up a card and everybody like has to guess where right it falls in the, the timeline. And then you throw it in, mm -hmm. uh, you know, to the, to the timeline there. And then you slowly build up over the course of the semester mm -hmm. and just like a last five minute, like gives everybody a chance to sort of like pack up and be ready to go, but they're still engaged in class and you're having the conversation. And then, like you said before, like, you know, having that conversation and, and kind of working out in your head, mm -hmm. like, okay, you know, when, when did Oprah Winfrey's show right, going to syndication and, yeah. and, and why might that be significant that that was before this movie of friends? Like, right. What do you think? Yep. Yeah. So it might be, you know, just a fun activity in yeah. the last five minutes or the first five minutes to get everybody kind of settled it into a history mindset. Maybe it's like a yeah. first five minute thing instead of a last five minute thing. Definitely. I can see that. Like, yeah. And using that scenario again, like, Oprah syndication came before France. What does that tell you about, you know, culture in the U.S. Yep. in the 80s and 90s? Like, which direction was it going? And and you could probably also curate it to the topic for oh, that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's what you would want to do is curate it to the mm -hmm. topic so that it kind of feeds in. But then you start everybody thinking about kind of that mentality. And you could also do it by also as a reminder from what we talked about last time. Yes. Short term memories. Um, but yeah, so that Would you played again. Oh, I didn't even answer. Uh, yeah, I think, um, it was fast enough. I think it would be a yeah. good filler game if you were waiting for other people to show up or if it's like, I really want to play a board game, but we don't have time to like pull out and do something 
big. Kind of like what we just did right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we needed to fill less than an hour. So here we are playing this game and recording the podcast. Uh, and it happened super quick. But yeah, I think I do think it's more of an activity. Yeah. Less of a game. Right. But uh, as an activity, still entertaining. And I think it it made you think about stuff that maybe you wouldn't have thought about. Sure. Yeah. There you go. Work your brain. So that was Timeline. Today we're playing Trailblazers by Ryan Courtney, who also did Pipeline, developed by Tim Kaiser, who also did Pipeline. The artist was Seth Lucas. It was published in 2023 by Bitewing Games. Trailblazers are the gutsy folks who pave and brave the trails of the great outdoors. Whether by hiking boots, cycling wheels, or river paddle, these tenacious travelers seek to feed their insatiable appetite for adventure with a scenic wilderness ever ahead and a freshly charted path upon the heels. One mustn't forget to eventually find their way back to camp. For there are always new environments to explore, further expeditions to undertake, and more trails to blaze. The mechanics are closed drafting, in-game bonuses, layering, network and route building, push your luck, set collection, solo solitaire, tile placement, and track movement. <laughs> and the box art? Um, it's a, a dark green background with some orange that has the name uh, and publisher. Then in kind of I don't know like almost cut out art yeah, style yeah yeah it's got like a human with a beard and a hat a baseball cap hat looking off into the distance and into the distance there is a bear uh, some cut out trees evergreen trees uh, it looks like you even got maybe a little coyote yeah, up on a, a mountain or something yeah. An eagle, the great outdoors. Uh, so based on that description and the box art, would you pick this up off a shelf? Eh, I don't know. I mean, push your luck sounds fun. Network route building. I don't know. There's just there's already other games that kind of do that. Um, it's an interesting box. I'm going to go yes. Yeah, I think I would too. I did back it. Um, I liked the idea of it, you know, tr you know, blazing trails and going hiking and stuff. But they also were big on uh, a game that you could actually take hiking. Mm. So the production, like their choices in materials and size were very, uh, they were very conscious about how could you take this uh, traveling. Hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I think, I, so I guess the answer has to be yes, because, right. Um, but I think at the time I had not, we hadn't played pipeline yet. Mm -hmm. I think I would pause a second. Had I known that the designer of pipeline was the same person who did this. Um, cause I, we did not care for pipeline. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So how do you think it's played? Ooh, tell me those. Uh, closed drafting, in-game bonuses, layering, network and route building, push your luck, set collection, solo solitaire, tile placement, and track movement. Well, we're building some trails, obviously. Um, 
I guess we're going to draft them. We've got a pile of tiles. That rhymed. Mm-hmm. So we're going to, I think we're going to draft from that pile of tiles to build our route and try to achieve some goals with that. Okay. Uh, so the history of tile piling. So did you know that the Portland Trailblazers were part of the expansion for NBA in 1970? I didn't know the year, but I knew they were an expansion team. Yeah. But I realized I'm not really a sports history fan. Okay. So uh, the Portland Trailblazers, though, are named after, of course, the people who supposedly blazed the trail to Oregon. Okay. So the Oregon Trail. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Was started, obviously it's got its history back to the uh, Lewis and Clark Expedition of 1803. Okay. Uh, And then was pretty much the foundations laid by uh, fur trappers, traders, um, mostly those sorts from... uh, shortly after the Lewis and Clark uh, to about the 1840s. Really, it started to pick up around the 1830s when some of the first wagon trains went through, uh, starting in Independence, Missouri, of course, making their way westward. Of course. Of course. Uh, And eventually, I think the first train made it to uh, Oregon after... 1836. How many people got dysentery? That is a good question. Or got robbed. Lots. Or couldn't uh, shoot enough or shot too many bears and couldn't carry all the meat back to their wagon. Probably a lot. Or uh, decided to caulk the wagon and then it sank. I've never done that. Oh, you never caulked the wagon and Mm -hmm. tried to ford the river? Uh, Well, ford the river, you took the oxen across, but then you could also caulk the, 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 their thing and then try and float it across. Mm. Mm-hmm. Both could end up tragically. Yeah. Um, although by 1869, 400,000 settlers, um, farmers, ranchers, basically white people from the East had made it uh, to the West with all the different branches. Uh, 1869 is significant because by 1869. Civil War's over. Right. Oregon's a state. Transcontinental Railroad. Oh, sure. Yeah. Replaces totally. wagon trains. That makes sense. An actual train. An act- yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Some of the, the highlights, obviously, you could do a whole course, history course on the Oregon Trail and not just the fun game. Um, some of the big highlights uh, would be, um, at least for me personally, thinking about Oregon and the Willamette Valley and even the coastline. By March 1811, one of the first fur um, companies was settled in Fort Astoria, Oregon. Um, And uh, yeah, so Astoria has a a pretty long history along the Columbia of fur trading and having connections right with fur companies back east Um, by the 20s. Uh, 1820s, you would have a conflict beginning with um, the Hudson Bay Company. And so you'd have these basically different fur companies battling it out so much so that uh, part of the reason uh, Oregon country 
was incorporated was to right kind of help stake the claims against the British, but was done um, peacefully as opposed to the Mexican-American War, which was fought to annex parts of Mexico sure. into the United States, like California, Arizona, New Texas. Mexico, Texas. Okay. Right. Utah, I think, too, was right. part of that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So there you go. There we go. Oregon Trail. Bunch of white people trying to come westward, settle up, set up some farms for companies. And then the Portland Trailblazers named after them. Kind of an up and down team as far as the history sounds like. Mm. Uh, okay, so you want to know how to play? Sure. All right. Uh, so we are trailblazers going off the beaten path and hiking, biking, and kayaking through nature. We're not going after fur? Uh, nope. Okay. Uh, we're, we aren't just aimlessly walking, though. We have goals in mind. Okay. The player that meets those goals and finds the best trails at the end is the winner. Play goes simultaneously, so there is no first player. The game lasts for four rounds. At the beginning of rounds one through three, players are going to place one of their three camps, and it's one camp based on each of the different uh, methods of travel. So there's a kayak camp, a kayak corner, a bike shack, and a hiking gear shop. So you're going to place one of those camps at the beginning of the round. Um, Then each round consists of three turns where players are going to select two cards from their hand and place them in their play area. Once all players have selected and placed their trail cards, they will pass their hand of cards clockwise in rounds one and three and counterclockwise Mm. in rounds two and four. For us, we're just going to pass them back. Uh, And play begins again. After the three turns, players are going to discard the last two cards uh, remaining in their hand, vice passing them. So a new camp or trail card must be placed orthogonally adjacent to or overlapping partially or fully uh, an existing card. There are two exceptions. So the very first camp you place in the game uh, obviously isn't going to have anything to be orthogonally adjacent to because there's nothing yet on our board. Uh, And you cannot overlap a camp card. Card trails, hiking trail, bike pass, and rivers do not need to match up. Uh, At the end of any turn, if a player has met the criteria for an in-game goal, they place one of their player cards in the highest unclaimed spot. Uh, And if multiple players do it in the same turn, they're all going to put it on that spot. Uh, The card is there permanently. So even if the player disrupts a layout requirement, uh, it's still achieved. After the fourth round, the game ends. Oh, also in the fourth round, we're not going to place a camp because we only have three camps. So fourth camp, we just play out uh, the trail cards. The in-game goal cards are evaluated for each player. Players gain points for the in-game goals they achieve during play, their performance on the in-game goal cards, and the loops they've created. A loop goes from a camp, continues unbroken with the same trail back to the same camp. Mm -hmm. You gain one point for each trail marker, which occur at each intersection or bend along that loop. The player with the most points is the winner. If tied, it goes to the player that completed the most goals. If still tied, the victory is shared. Those are all the rules. What was the difference between end goal and end goal? End goal is for your final map. Okay. In game would be you did it during one of the rounds. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. And now those are all the rules. Let's play. Okay. We just finished a game of Trailblazers. BP had a score of 26 Whirling River points, uh, and I won with 36 Biking points. 
winning strategy. Um, I mostly just tried to do the bike one because it seemed like a thing. And then I just tried to make sure I made loops. At first I was trying to get the hiking one and then I just couldn't, I, I spread out too quick, too fast. And I wasn't able to like close any of those loops. And then I was trying too late to then like encircle some stuff. And it was just like, ah, it was, it's too, it's too late for that. Much too late. Um, so that's how, that's what I was trying to do. BB? I was trying to build trails. Yeah. Uh, theme. Did you feel like a trailblazer? No. But did feel like I was making routes. I will agree. I didn't feel like a trailblazer, but I definitely was, felt like I was trying to connect things and make a route. So, um, table presence. If that's what a trailblazer too, but a trailblazer, it seems like very adventurous. This was just laying down yeah. routes. Mm -hmm. What was your question? Sorry. Uh, table presence. Uh, it's uh, like I said, it's very colorful. Uh, the art continues on to the cards with the little cutout kind of figures with little animals. You've got moose, eagles, bison. Yeah. Uh, it's, I, I think it would catch your, your eye walking by. Yeah. I think it would need to be sort of like mid to later game though. Oh, I think at the very sure. beginning, there probably isn't enough on the table to like get you to pay attention. But I think in a later game, because like I like our maps that we've created. Mm -hmm. uh, they're very colorful. And then uh, the animals on the cards are one fun, but two, they also uh, add into one of the expansions mm -hmm. that comes with the game too. Um, so yeah, I like the table presence. I think, yeah, the art continues over and it, it looks nice. Yeah. Uh, mechanics. So it's just a standard tile laying game. I do like the uh, the drafting mm -hmm. yeah, with the close That's drafting. Yeah, forth. because you know those first three rounds where you have to pick a um, a camp, you're basing it on the cards that you can see. So you could be like, oh, I've got a handful of bike right. paths, and so I'm going to do my bike shing. And then like yours could have been like nothing but of rivers. Right. And then so I, I like that idea of it. There's a little bit of hidden information in there. Um, and then just trying to, I do like the in game, the goals, both in game and in the game, uh, with a D, uh, cause it does give you something to strive for. I think mm -hmm. if they didn't have those goals, it would be very like, I don't abstract, I don't know where to go. Right. So it gives you a goal. So I do like that. Mechanics. Yep. <laughs> I agree. I feel like it was style laying route building pretty typical yeah uh how was it learning the game uh pretty straightforward you just lay down your tiles and pass back and forth yeah i think the hardest part honestly was trying to describe exactly what a loop was mm -hmm. but once you visualize it i think it's a lot of you like it's a very like okay it has to be the same path connect to and from the mm -hmm. same camp um so i think that helps um and I do appreciate that the intersections, even the intersections that are the same type of trail, they're clearly delene delineated where the path goes. Because mm -hmm. I think like the hardest one would probably be like the hiking trail since it's like so dark. 
but you can very clearly see like it's a bridge that goes from one to the other. Mm-hmm. It very distinctly stops and then starts again. Um, so I think that would be the hardest one. And then like the river one has like a little cave that it runs through. So that's kind of cool. Um, do you have any bike ones that cross over themselves? I don't see any bike ones that cross themselves. Yeah. Oh, right there. It's a bridge. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's probably the hardest part. Um, and it, that's really not too bad. So, um, I think teaching it was uh, pretty simple as well. I just noticed the biking ones have like little ramps, little ramps on the side. Yeah. Um, and I think the rule book, I didn't have to go once I got the game set up, didn't have to go into the rule book until we got to this scoring at the end. And it was mostly to see like, hey, if both people have the same amount, mm. you know, what is the order? Like, do they both go in the same place? Which I think I said out loud. So I kind of knew the answer, but I did uh, go back and look mm-hmm. for it. So um, player interaction. I mean, you're really the only thing is passing back and forth. Otherwise, I wasn't looking at what you were building. Yeah. And this is kind of like I think Eric's mentioned it before when you have like a mechanic that's solo solitaire, mm-hmm. you're kind of going into a game where you know that you're not going to have a lot of player interaction. And I think in a game like this, because there are so few turns and you're trying to do so much, not so much, that's a weird way to put it, but there's no room to, to like hate draft. Right. You can't just take place. Like I didn't even look at your board until the end. Yeah. Cause I was concentrated on my own stuff and I wasn't worried about what you were doing or trying to do or yeah. anything like that. Um, which is, you know, good or bad. And it really depends on like what you're in the mood to mm-hmm. play for. So, um, so yeah. Would you play it again? Yeah. I, uh, more so than at the beginning, uh, it, it's just it, they're pretty cards and it was pretty straightforward and pretty quick and easy. Yep. Yeah, I'll say yes, too. I think we'll add in the animal expansion when we go next. Um, so the animal expansion. So the animal cards or the animals that are on the cards, there's little animal meeples that match up. So as you place those cards, if you want to you can place an animal on that path and then you get points for each unique animal mm-hmm. on, a, on a loop. So basically you're you're walking these trails and you're trying to see as many animals as you can see while you're on this loop. Um, so I think, you know, we would probably um, play with that. But yeah, I, I do like it. I, I think my only complaint about the game is these tiny little cards are annoying mm. to shuffle. They're annoying to handle. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Uh, I think part of that is because they're made, they're not really paper. They're like a PVC plasticky bit. Mm. Cause going back to, they really wanted to make something that you could clip onto your bag and like go hiking. And when you got to wherever you're going, you could play trailblazers mm-hmm. on some rock somewhere, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So um, picnic bench, picnic bench. Yeah. So yeah, uh, that is trailblazers. So if you have any recommendations or games you would like to hear our impressions on, just send them our way. You can do that via email. We are at First Turn Tabletop at Gmail, Twitter, Instagram at First Turn Cast. And the podcasting camel says as he's uh, kayaking down the river, please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe on your favorite podcatchers. We look forward to hearing from you play more games. Not even just having the butcher or the baker, excuse me, 
slice it up, no, but I you know, like the bed. wonder. <laughs> I prefer my bread butchered. <laughs> Uh, so Kiwi, or yeah, Kiwi, did Kiwi, did you have a strategy? Oh, thanks, Kiwi, for asking. That was a lot of horses. Mm -hmm. um, horse is a horse, of course, of course. <laughs> right? Unless, of course. <laughs> <laughs>